Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic-Free Future. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 14. It is uh, Sunday, July 26th at 3.40 p.m. And uh, all right, I'm going to go back to the beginning. As, as I said, when I, you know, 14 episodes back, I'm going to keep doing episodes five a week until you get this because it's so important. It really is. Um, one. The only reasonable way we have of uh, avoiding future pandemics is to stop farming and eating and abusing animals at a rate of uh, over 70 billion a year and uh, and either go vegan which would be the best option that's the best way we have to um to prevent pandemics and to be as healthy as possible but if we uh if we don't have the uh the moral fiber to, to do that, um, the wisdom. And the second best thing is um, it's a godsend. You know, it's we have to transition from farming and e eating animals to this new, brand new technology called cellular agriculture that produces products that are known as clean meat, cell cultured meat, lab grown meat, in vitro meat. And uh, and it's basically essentially growing our beef and pork and chicken and dairy and eggs in sterilized environments outside of animals so that um, we thereby eliminate virtually all threat of viral and bacterial infections, outbreaks, epidemics, pandemics. So that's... Uh, that's the basic um that's the basic message now our problem is that it's a brand new industry it was created in 2013 there's about a billion dollars invested in it now but at the rate of of research and development they have to basically scale it up from growing these products in lab in labs because they've already grown you know, foie gras, chicken, um, seafood. Um, they, they, they've grown a lot of products. Well, I'm not sure about a lot, but, you know, a good number in labs. But, you know, it, it, there's some challenges that they have to meet to be able to scale it up to mass produce these products at competitive prices. So you can go into a supermarket and buy this cultured beef like a hot dog, um, chicken nuggets, whatever you want, you know. Again, in a way that um, that doesn't pose a risk of future pandemics. So, um, so yeah, at the rate of research, these products will probably not be in, in supermarkets to a major degree for about a decade. There, there may be a few, maybe that uh, will come out um, in the next year or two. 
um, but they may be limited to just high scale upper end restaurants. They may not actually make it to supermarkets. So, all right, so we have the problem and part of the solution is right now we're just spending a billion dollars. Now, I've mentioned this Congressional Budget Office report, estimate, that Forbes reported on June 2nd, apparently the report was uh, conducted uh, in May, that predicted that we here in the United States can expect to spend about $8 trillion on this COVID-19 business shutdown, lockdown, distancing, deaths, so, so much carnage. It's not just the money, it's, it's the, the, the suffering, the, uh... so, but, but, you know, just focusing on the money, um, ask yourself, ask yourself, um, what do you believe it would be reasonable, prudent, wise, as a percentage of how much we'll be spending on this pandemic to give us our best chance of avoiding future pandemics? How much would that be worth? Um, I asked a friend of mine recently, he said, I don't know, five, 10%. And um, yeah, that seems reasonable. But we're fortunate though, because uh, to be really, really safe, and I'm, you know, probably at least 95% safe from where we were, where we are now, maybe even higher than 99%. Um, we don't have to spend 5% of what we'll be losing on this pandemic. All we have to spend is one half of 1%, which amounts to about $50 billion, which seems like a lot, but again, relative to this 8 trillion we'll be spending is one half of 1%. Um, we spend this not in a year or two, we, we start spending this in, in a month or two three or you know once trump's out i suppose um and uh and we we will have solved uh, a major problem going forward into the world um it's not just um you know i've mentioned this before it's not just viral pandemics um like this uh coronavirus it's it's also that our factory farming system is so unsanitary that we actually use 80% of our antibiotics not on humans but on animals you know to keep them healthy because otherwise in the conditions they're generally kept in they would be like there would be outbreaks every day um, bacterial infections and all so, um, so the other part of this is as we transition to this cellular agriculture, we, um, we mitigate a threat that's known as antibacterial resistance. You know, this, these bacteria, and many people know about this, they, 
they develop resistances to the vaccines, to the, um, to the you know, um, antibiotics that we, we develop to counteract them. And, um, and um, some, some experts like the, the health minister, I believe, of the UK predicted that, that antibacterial resistance may pose a greater threat to humanity than climate change. That, that's how serious that is. So, so again, one half of 1% of what we'll be spending on this one to create a world for our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren going forward. Um, that is um, whereby they're protected from what we were going through, will be going through. You know, um, we owe it to, the, to these generations. I mean, we've, we've been handed a world that's so amazing in so many ways by our ancestors who often had to fight wars you know, to, to create this kind of world and, and, and suffer a lot of deprivation. So uh, in terms of our moral responsibility, responsibility toward future generations, uh, we really owe them, especially, especially considering how, um, how egregiously we're, we've been avoiding um, fighting climate change. We've been uh, ignoring it, uh, essentially. So, um, all right, well, that's the, uh, that's the message. Um, more recently, I've, I've um, become a bit more ambitious on this. Um, let me present this because it's part of the message. I mean, like, that we pay people, you know, this COVID-19, if you're religious, if you believe in God or a higher power, and that's about 90% of you here in the United States, then you probably understand that this COVID-19 is punishment from God for our, among other things, abusing these 70 billion animals each year, paying people to do this, paying people to, to abuse and torture these animals in, in many cases so that we can have clean, um, so we can have cheap meat and, and, and dairy and eggs, so, so it doesn't cost us that much. That's evil, that is like, that's beyond evil. So, um, so we've got an opportunity, you know, God, um, God sometimes brings the best out of us through punishment. Um, and so this is an opportunity for us to, uh, to finally face, you know, how horrible we've been. Just like 150 years ago, um, the country faced the, uh, the horror of slavery, you know, how, how profoundly immoral an institution that was. And, uh, and they faced it and they overcame it and we became a better country. You know, we, we still have uh, segregationist policies. Um, you know, black people are still discriminated against in, in various ways and we're working on that. But, uh, but um, you know, they, they faced that evil in us and, uh, and they overcame it. Now we have to face the evil in us that, uh, that causes us to, to consume um, so much meat and dairy and eggs. Uh, 
knowing, you know, very, very few of us are not aware of, of the damage of, of, of how these animals are treated. It's not like we don't know, it's just we don't care. We, we put it out of, their, out, yeah, out of your minds. I mean, I'm not gonna, gonna include myself on this. I've been a vegan for over 15 years, I've been a vegetarian for almost 30, about 30. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what you do. You, you, you basically, um, you pay people to torture animals. And that's like really, really, um, and you know this. And yeah. So, so again, um, once we do this, I mean, and you know, I'm going to keep pushing this $50 billion um, for cellular, cellular agriculture to fast track this, this research so that we can um, get these products to market, not in 10, 15 years, but in two or three years, maybe even sooner. Um, but, you know, we, um, that's a good backup plan, you know, but, but the best, the ideal thing to do is, uh, for us to all go vegan, to challenge ourselves, to face that, that these animals don't deserve that kind of treatment. Um, the, these, these products are killing us anyhow. I mean, the, the number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease. The number one cause of heart disease is meat consumption. Number two cause of death is cancer. And, you know, we know that processed needs, meats and a lot of processed um, dairy eggs uh, are implicated in, in various cancers. So, um, so that's the, but, you know, this, this plan B, I mean, like, it's good to have a backup. We, we should do both. We should invest this $50, $50 billion as an insurance policy, you know, um, as we're transitioning from eating meat to, to all going vegan. And, um, and hope that, um, that we're successful. Um, think of the alternative. Um, we still don't know how long it's going to take us to um, reopen society. Maybe reopen, you know, in six months. I mean, there was a, there was a New York Times podcast called, um, titled The Daily, and um, a, um, a health and science reporter for The New York Times, Donald McNeil Jr., um, was a guest. And he had interviewed, you know, many epidemiologists, infectious disease experts, and um, he advised us through that podcast that, that we shouldn't be surprised if we're going through this second, third wave of this distancing for, for a year or two or three. And he also advised us during that episode that, um, that the fastest a vaccine has ever been developed was in response to the 1957 pandemic, influenza pandemic here in the United States. Or it might have been just a viral infection, I'm not sure. But, um, and generally it takes about 10 years or longer to develop these vaccines. We still don't have a vaccine for HIV. And so the point here is that you know, we're fast tracking 
the development of this vaccine. Um, we may have a vaccine that will have taken them a year, year and a half to create, because we've pumped resources into this. We, you know, people from all over the world are working on it. They have the resources, they have the funding, they have the personnel. So imagine that same kind of commitment to preventing future pandemics as we're taking to uh, create a vaccine to uh, save us from this one. You know, $50 billion, and again, we might have these, these, these cultured cell products um, in supermarkets, this clean meat available uh, to us at, at prices uh, no different from what we're paying now in, in, in perhaps a year, two years, if we really, you know, if in several months we start to release this, this $50 billion to, to uh, bring in much more qualified, much more expert um, researchers. I mean, the researchers in the field now, I mean, they know their stuff, but you know, you bring more money into it, you get, you know, more researchers, better researchers, more resources. So that's what um, we need to do. Okay. Um, so your job, um, is to talk about this, to to um, to do the research, you know. To to you know, if you don't believe me about you know, um, well, that this is the the really only reasonable way we have to to be safe from future pandemics. Not just that. Um, some reporters, some politicians say, well, this this COVID nineteen is is a one in one hundred year event. That is extremely dangerously misleading because, uh, well, again, um, the, oh, they, the reason they say that is because of the 1918 pandemic, uh, Spanish flu, they're comparing it to that. And that pandemic killed perhaps 50 million people, perhaps more, uh, more killed far more people than World War I did. And, um, and so, but after that, you know, you had the uh, 57 pandemic, the 68 pandemic, you had AIDS in the 80s, and in the 2000s, you had Ebola, Zika, um, swine flu, avian flu, SARS, MERS, you know, it, it's not only that this isn't a one in 100 year event, but the frequency of these outbreaks that lead to pandemics is increasing. You know, we, we dodged several bullets with, with Mars and SIRS. You know, these um, viruses didn't have the, um, the DNA um, to attack as effectively like the Spanish flu did and then coronavirus is doing, uh, but we were lucky, you know, so, so again, this isn't a 100, one in 100 year event. And, uh, and these outbreaks are increasing in frequency. So um, because, I mean, the, the other, I, I should mention this, this show is about cellular agriculture, but this is so important. I, I should mention this often too. Uh, in addition to this $50 billion on cellular agriculture, we should probably, we should definitely 
be spending at least $50 billion to ramp up uh, fast-track research on universal vaccines, you know, vaccine that, um, vaccines that would be protective against any and all strains of, of bacteria, um, viral infection, and, and the same for, um, for antibiotics, antibiotics that, that the bacteria cannot, in theory, uh, develop a resistance to. We, we, should, you know, we should be spending um, 50 billion on that at least. So 100 billion, 1% of what we'll be spending to contain, to, uh, to pay for you know, the effects of this COVID-19 um, in order to prevent you know, this from ever happening again. I think it's a bargain. I was doing some research. I wanted a, a good comparison, so that um, I researched homeowners insurance. Let's say um, average price of a of a home, uh, median price, is um, about two twenty. I mean, there are different sources. I, I saw one that said two fifty, another that said three hundred. I went with two twenty, and and the average cost of homeowners insurance to protect against fire and, and theft and all that is about thousand dollars a month. So, so I calculated it over a period of ten years. A thousand dollars for ten years, ten thousand dollars comes to be about four point five percent of the value of that house. You know, two hundred and twenty thousand dollar house. Um, now, if if we were spending that rate, and and the thing about these, um, you know, homeowners insurance is basically you're, people are paying for for peace of mind because it's very very rare that that a house is lost to fire or theft. You know, people are just paying this because you know the house is it would be something great to lose and so we protect about you know against this so now to compare this to the uh COVID-19 to these pandemics if, if a homeowner is, is wise to spend four and a half percent of the value of his house to protect against losing it how much more sense you know and, and like and again the, the the chance of losing it is is, is very slight so how much wiser and more prudent is it for us as a country to spend um, one half of, of 1%, not even 4.5%, which would amount to about $350 billion, um, you know, one half of 1%, that's all we need. I mean, if, if, we, if we needed to spend 1% or 2%, you know, 100 uh, billion, 200 billion, that would also be a bargain. But, um, but that's what um, that's what's being asked of you. That's what's being called upon you to do. You know, it's not going to happen um, unless you talk about it, unless you learn about it. You know, understand, do enough research to uh, to trust that that McNeil on the New York Times podcast when he said that the vaccines you know, are just not the answer. And, and you know, re do research um, that'll explain to you that, um, that these universal vaccines are 10, 15 years out, if that, you know, we'd have to wait. So do the research and understand that, um, that as we eventually move out of this distancing, 
unless we want to live in dread. And, you know, imagine the, the uh, investment uh, environment for that, not knowing when something like this is going to happen again. Uh, we can live in dread of um, this and, you know, if we're, and, and be deserving of a next one if we continue to abuse those animals, you know, or um, we can stop the abuse, um, go vegan, ideally, or um, if we can't do that, or as we're doing that, as we're transitioning to doing that, we can, um, we should just fast track this cellular agriculture research and development. You know, um, that's, uh, so that's, you know, that's what you need to do. Um, right, most, most, politicians are vaguely aware of this new industry. Uh, the FDA and the USDA are just now coming together to, to explore how to regulate it. You know, you have to regulate industries like this as a food industry. So, um, but the politicians are just like not aware. So, so write them a letter, call them, you know, tell them about this. Present the arguments I've been presenting, you know, I mean like, it's just like it's a bargain to to invest now as soon as possible one half of one percent of what we will be losing on this COVID-19 to prevent future ones that's that's the message and, and, and uh yeah well you know it's something that um people may have to demand all right, well, we're running, we're running out of time. We've got about two more minutes. So again, I do this every, I, I tape this, I record this every Sunday through Thursday for cable casting on White Plains Community Media, every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. And if you get Optimum or Altice, it's on channel 76. If you get Verizon, it's on channel 45. And I also upload all the episodes to YouTube. I actually upload them usually the evening before your cable cast. So you can get a preview of them if you'd like. Um, so, all right. Well, again, this is episode number 14. And, you know, my guess is that as I do more and more of these shows, and I'll be presenting more and more evidence. You know, I've, I've been reading a couple of books on pandemics. I'm learning a lot that I kind of wish I didn't know, but, um, but it's important and, and I'll be presenting this information. And the hope, the expectation is that um, as you hear this over and over, and as I present it over and over, you know, you will be better understanding it perhaps um, partly because I'll be better explaining it you know, better, better presenting this message. And, you know, we'll, we'll do this until, um, until it works because, uh, you know, climate change is a major threat, but, you know, that's like, in a lot of ways, decades into the future. This, this next pandemic could come, you know, a year or two after we're open. I mean, that's theoretically, it's possible. And, and from a religious, spiritual standpoint, if we don't do what we need to do for this, God might say, well, you don't deserve to be pandemic free, to have that, that blessing. So, all right, well, anyway, I hope you're having a good Monday. 
and I will see you uh, tomorrow. Okay, thanks.